many of the smartest, most innovative, most interesting, and most versatile people that I've met in my life have been helpers. And I think that that's because helpers are people with ideas. We approach our work from a place of always wanting to do better and always wanting to be better. And so we come in loaded with notions and possibilities. And sometimes we get to enact those and sometimes we don't. But at our core, helpers are people that are so eager, people with so much to give. And it's rare that we get to give the whole smorgasbord of what we have to offer. But in our guest's case today, we do get to see a little bit more of that smorgasbord (laughs) because she truly offers so much. Renee Gage is someone who personifies the whole package. She brings passion and vibrancy to everything that she does. She's a helper by nature and in her career, though she moved into a business that isn't conventionally identified as helping work. She is a person who is able to make her ideas a reality, which is no small thing, especially when it means creating your own business. There is so much good advice in this episode. Renee truly is expert in having fear and overwhelm and moving through it anyway. So here's the show, and here's Renee Gage. Okay. So today I'm super excited to have Renee Gage. Um, Renee, if you want to just say hello and maybe introduce yourself. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Renee Gage. I'm a professional organizer out of Austin, Texas. Yep. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you kind of talking with us because I think that the story that you're going to share is one that's particularly um, kind of empowering and super important for people within the sphere of helping professions to hear, because I think there are a lot of people that are wanting to take steps towards something else or in a direction they're really passionate about and just aren't sure how to go about that or what that means. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really excited for you to shed some light on that. Absolutely. Um, So tell us just a little bit about um, kind of who you are as a helper, right? What kind of work have you gravitated to within your helping career? Um, Have you always been in helping professions? What what does that look like for you historically? So historically, I have always, you know, since I was in preschool, loved helping people have that light bulb moment in their lives. So whether that was Um, I work at Planned Parenthood, helping people come in and having, like I said, that light bulb moment, realizing, oh my gosh, I'm not that weird. My decisions or my behaviors, my habits, um, or my need to be here at Planned Parenthood to be tested aren't weird or disgusting or taboo. I loved, you know, just helping, guiding someone to have that realization for themselves. 
And now currently as a professional organizer, similarly, I'm helping people realize, oh, I'm not the only one that has this closet full of whatever from high school in my 50s. You know, that that relief that they're not weird, It seeing that wave of insecurity wash away from someone, that's what I really thrive off of. So that's who I am as a helper, guiding people to feel less weird and to feel more confident and to kind of prompt questions that lead them to find that security for themselves, that comfort within themselves. And so you say you used to work for Planned Parenthood. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what that work was like and how long you did that for. Yeah. So I started working there right out of college. I was there for just under five years, started at the front desk, you know, answering generic questions over the phone, scheduling appointments. Um, And eventually by the end of it, I was the site manager at a health center. So overseeing the building, the facilities and hiring, training, managing all the staff, nurse practitioners, uh, healthcare associates, as they're called, you know, the people that provide all the education and draw blood, things like that. So big mix of administrative and clinical work, very patient facing. Um, It was I was changing light bulbs one minute, drawing blood the next, hiring someone. It was a lot of a lot of different roles in one. Very fulfilling. Um, for, you know, I remember in high school, my friends and I not having, or more so elementary school, middle school, not having an adult that we felt like we could go to to ask certain questions before we had Google at our fingertips. And I was the person, you know, walking to the public library to <laughs> to look up questions about our anatomy and things like that. So it made sense that I found myself at Planned Parenthood. I was always passionate about healthcare, particularly reproductive healthcare. So when I found myself there, it was so fulfilling, as I mentioned earlier, helping people feel less weird and feel less taboo, um, knowing that they were walking into an appointment for testing feeling so ashamed or embarrassed and having them walk out feeling so empowered and educated was just such a relief. There was no better way to feel like I was making a difference in the world than to see up to 20 people a day and going to bed at night, knowing that I helped this patient learn how to take her birth control correctly or this man feel more confident about getting tested routinely. And it it was just a great experience. Very stressful, Um, (laughs) very stressful. And I took a lot of anxiety home with me every day. But when it came to feeling like I was helping, it totally checked all the boxes. And I was very happy in a lot of ways there. Yeah. And I'm really interested in kind of the path you took from Planned Parenthood to what you're doing now, which is your own business as a professional organizer, right? Yeah. But I want I want to kind of hear, tell us a little bit about just who you are personally, just as an individual. So right now, my only interest seems to be raising my six-month-old baby. <laughs> I wish I I wish I had uh, more time and opportunities to be involved in more of my hobbies because, but because of COVID, it's a little limited. But I love, I'm such an extrovert. I love going to workout classes and just feeding off of the energy of others and yoga or bar classes, uh, just that community of women and exercising together, being outdoors, you know, whether that's hiking or just sitting outside with a book. That's one of the reasons we moved to Austin, Texas. I just love to be outside. And ultimately my biggest passion I would say is my 
plant-based lifestyle. So I love to cook, love to share with others, love to go out to eat. He's basically just eating a, a vegan diet that is also, you know, I find ways through social media and through my friends and family to make it a big part of my social life as well. Living here in Austin, it's like a vegan paradise. So my, my vegan, yeah, my vegan diet here, there's, we lived here for two years and I still have vegan restaurants that we haven't gone to a lot of food trucks, things like that. So that's another part of COVID that, you know, we just are trying to get to go orders to help out local restaurants and food trucks, things like that. But you know, I know the term foodie is a little, you know, we get it. We, you like to go out to eat. That's not a personality <laughs> trait, but for me, it really is like my, my meals are <laughs> the, the center of my universe is deciding what I'm going to be eating next or the next time I'm going out to eat. So. <laughs> now I'm knowing, just knowing Renee, I mean, you are a person of varied passions and the things mm-hmm. that you like, are like super excited about it. <laughs> yes, totally. And you know, just even at my wedding, there was over 20 people that were eating vegan that night just because of my influence over the years. Just me showing up to a family party with a couple of dishes. There's just constantly someone direct messaging me on Instagram asking about how to get into eating a more plant-based diet. For various reasons, whether it's their health or animals, the environment, especially after like the Amazon fires that happened earlier this year, which feels like a million years ago, because that was like, you know, felt like the biggest news and then COVID happened Um, (laughs) with the Amazon fires that was influencing a lot of people to try to eat a more vegan diet. So that's, and that kind of transitions right into some of the larger things I want to talk to. Yes, definitely. In particular in this episode with you, because it, you know, I think it's clear just from people hearing you speak that you're a person of significant passion. Like you care a lot about the things that you care about. Um, You could probably go in several directions with your career in terms of ways that you would want to serve or help people and Mm -hmm. feel fulfilled. Yes. Uh, just because of what kind of person you are. I think it's really the, the transition, right, from being in something that is squarely, when we think helping professions like Planned Parenthood fits right into that mold, right? Like, yes. you know, cool, I'm a social worker, I'm a medical professional, whatever, this is where I'm going to go place myself to help people, and that's where you are serving. Yes. Um, and then we moved from that to the space of, of professional organizing, which I love that you framed right off the bat as also helping because I agree that is also helping. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, definitely. But I think that people would be really interested to hear a little bit about how do we go from that really kind of that agency work that, like you said, it's very fulfilling, but also very, Mm -hmm. um, it's heavy (laughs) to, having your own business, doing this whole other thing. Tell us all about that transition. Yeah. So, and well, and another point to make before I do go into that is I think a lot of people who want to become more helping, be in a helping position sometimes are not currently at all. I went from one helping job to another and some people are feeling no fulfillment and they want to start from scratch. And I still want to resonate with those people too, that it is, you don't have to be in one to make the leap to another. You can be in that, you know, whether that's a, you just feel like you're in a cubicle, crunching numbers, not helping anyone. I still want to resonate with those people that that would have happened for me, even if I wasn't already in a helping position. Because what ended up happening was 
in my personal life, uh, I had family members going simultaneously, like one after another. There was a death in my family and then a divorce um, in my extended family. Both situations resulted in a home needing to be sold. So I found myself contributing and helping best in both of those situations by just showing up with work gloves on and some trash bags and some tote bins and a willingness to drive to the local goodwill. Just the attitude of let me help you get out of this situation in this home. I found myself asking questions that were just spot on, the most appropriate and efficient questions to ask these family members when it came to helping them decide what to ultimately get rid of or to donate or to give to someone else. And that same relief that I saw wash over my patients at Planned Parenthood when they realized that it's not weird to get tested every couple of months or that they, you know, whatever their behaviors were, that they're not weird. I was seeing that same relief wash over my family members when I was asking them these prompting questions. So I was, that bell was being rung, you know, in that same sense of, of, of fulfillment. I was like, Oh, this, this feels the same way, just in a different context. So, you know, without any guilt, without any remorse, they were separating themselves from these items that were just causing so much weight. You know, the last thing you want to be dealing with when you lose your spouse or, you know, through death or divorce is then deciding what to do with the piece of pottery that was given to you 10 years ago or your wedding china, things like that. So to help someone unload those belongings was very fulfilling. So, you know, and my, my family members were telling me you could do this for a living. This was so helpful. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking, Oh, I, I wonder if I really could do this. Cause it was, it was just before I started feeling burnt out from my work at Planned Parenthood. So it was really good timing that as I was starting to feel burnt out, I already had this inspiration of what I could do next. And I was very fortunate in that way. Cause I know a lot of people when they feel that burnout happening is when they're kind of scrambling, like how, how do I get out of this? So I was lucky that I had that natural overlap. It wasn't until I started really wanting to move away from, you know, I was in New Hampshire at the time that I started to think of it as a full-time career opportunity So right as I started to get burnout at Planned Parenthood, I found ways to help other people do a a project here and there, whether it was organizing their email, you know, color coding and creating rules for where certain emails to go, which is something I do, or helping someone organize their pantry on the side. I found little ways to get that fulfillment while I was still at Planned Parenthood. But then it was as we wanted to move because of my unhappiness in the cold weather and, you know, just my craving for different, a different culture. That's when I really started to think about professional organizing as a full-time career. So that's when I just threw myself into YouTube videos about how to start a business and following Instagrams for professional organizers. And I just went all in all of my free time. I just started from scratch because I knew nothing about owning a business. I knew how to color code. I knew how to, (laughs) I knew how to use a file system. And I just watched YouTube videos and read books about different methods of folding clothes. And I know that sounds so silly to someone who hates stuff like that, 
but I just, I just loved it. I was really, I hate to use the word thriving off of it because that's the name of my business is Thrive Life Organizing. <laughs> but really, I was just so inspired for the first time in a long time that I was just craving all these domestic efficiency related topics. So I just threw myself into it and it was just already giving me energy before I was even doing it for money. So, yeah. so then I also had the good fortune to be married to someone who had health insurance. I want to make that <laughs> be transparent about that because that's a big barrier for people when they want to make a career change and become self-employed is they're thinking about health insurance and those benefits um, and that security. So I was lucky enough to have that not safety net by any means, but security that I would have health insurance leaving my job and moving across the country. Right. So what I would say to those people is it's okay to get creative with finding another job that maybe has less hours or is less physically or emotionally draining or physically draining. So if I had been at Planned Parenthood and I wasn't married to someone with health insurance which unfortunately is a barrier in this country. That's the whole other conversation. It shouldn't be, but, (laughs) um, but if I hadn't been in that position, I would have found another job. Maybe, you know, again, to a listener that's thinking easier said than done. Mm -hmm. It's really not to just get another job. Even if it's not as fulfilling, even if, if it pays a little less where you can still have health insurance, that does give you the opportunity to start working on that side hustle or, you know, your business in the evenings or the weekends, whatever it is to get you out of that bad situation that you're in or that less than ideal situation, you can start there. If you're not ready to just quit your job today and start a business tomorrow, I think that's okay for, I think some people have to go all in right away. Some people do have to have that, that, you know, dip a toe in the water a little bit. And that's okay. If you need to get a job in between that enables you to start that new business, then that's a stepping stone that you can take. I think that some people create that barrier for themselves where they say, I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z, and you can get creative with the steps to get there. No, I, I, I agree. And I can't say that enough to where, you know, talking with people um, to just kind of start where they are, because mm-hmm. I think the process of trying to see your way out of something especially into if you have an idea of I'm going to make the leap from this into something completely different can be so overwhelming. Yes. So being able to give yourself permission to say, okay, I don't need to have the new thing all figured out tomorrow. Exactly. Steps that I can take to start making this a reality for myself mm-hmm. and not just assume that we have to stay stuck. Um, yes. I, think, I think a lot of us feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of us, we create those additional barriers sometimes as a a putting a wall up. I listened to a podcast by Rich Roll and he references a lot the people that message him. I want to get into running. He's an ultra marathon athlete and I want to get into running. What are the best sneakers or what's the best watch that I should buy before I start? And he's like, go out and flip flops if you have to just start running. You don't need the perfect running shoe in order to start. I didn't need, you know, when I was doing it to myself, I felt like I needed the perfect Instagram logo to start, or I needed a million before and after pictures before I could start. That's not the case. Pick a name. Sure. Reach out to a graphic designer, but 
you don't need, that's the other thing you don't need. Of course, if you're looking to open up a brick and mortar situation, that might be, that might be one thing, but especially with things like food trucks now, you know, in the world we're living in with COVID, all of the delivery or the the pop-up options kind of things, like if you're selling something, um, you can be creative. It's not, you know, 30 years ago, it was a different story where you had to open up a store if you wanted to sell food or a product, but that's not really the case anymore. So you don't even need a lot of money in a lot of cases to start a business. That's right. You don't need to spend a lot of money is what I should say. I really didn't spend any money. I, you know, especially with Instagram, you know, I hired an, a graphic designer, but I could have reached out to some college student or a graphic design program at, at a college and said, is there someone that would like to do this for their portfolio for me? You know, there's always little creative ways to get something. Yeah, that, that advice is worth its weight in gold. So yes. thank you for putting that yeah. out there. That's yeah, so for cool. sure. Yeah, and that's how I got started when I would want um, reviews that were local here in Austin. And I, I didn't know a soul when we moved here. And I went on the Nextdoor app and I reached, I just posted, um, you know, with a picture of myself and some before and after photos. And I said, I'm new to the area. I would love to get to know some new families and to showcase my skills, get some practice. Um, would anyone like a three hour session? We can do an area of your choosing, whether that's a playroom or a pantry, you know, a re- within a reasonable, a reasonable job for a three hour session. Um, in exchange for before and after pictures and a review, we can do this at no cost to you. So obviously people reached right out. Um, and the three, the three families that reached out, I believe it was a pantry, a playroom, as I said, I forget the third one we did, but as a result of those three, three hour sessions that I provided, I took before and after pictures, they gave me a review and just the word of mouth reviews or um, recommendations that I got from them is really how I started my business. So by giving, that's kind of how I got started. Yeah. So don't be afraid to give. I think there's a book, I don't know the author, the author, but it's called um, The Go-Giver. And it's all about that. It's all about just putting out into the world help and things will come back to you. Yeah, I'll look that up. We'll see if we can link to that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know the the author, but I know it's called The Go-Giver. And it this the spirit of that book really helped me. Okay, so let me set this scene for you. I was 35 years old, working at a residential program 50 plus hours a week, making less than $50,000 a year on public service loan forgiveness with nine years to go, two graduate degrees to pay for that totaled $101,000. I watched my interest accrue as I made minimum payments until my balance hit $121,000. I felt terrified, anxious, unwell, and I was sure that I couldn't stick it out to have my loans forgiven without having a mental breakdown. Do you relate to this story at all? Then I have a program for you. So I have a four week group intensive program rolling out in January, 2021 that will identify your stuck points and create an individualized plan for you to get out of student debt so you can be financially free. You'll work with me and a small group of like-minded individuals to follow the process that I did to pay off all my debts in a few years while increasing my income and cultivating a more satisfying career and lifestyle. Do you wanna learn more? Visit my website at danabelletier.com and check out the Help Yourself Group Intensive. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So from some of what you've talked about, you know, it sounds like you had 
you experience the same spark that you experienced that you enjoyed within your work at Planned Parenthood while you were doing this thing, while you were doing this organizing and realizing, oh, there's something here that feel, that resonates with me. Um, and it sounds like there's also like a creativity um, element yes. there for you that felt um, felt authentic to you and felt like something you wanted to pursue. Were, were those the pieces that really pushed you? I mean, it sounds like there were other things, right? Like uh, the move and, and things kind of organically came together. What, was that enough to push you into saying, I'm going to create this new business? Was there like a, a, a single catalyst or something, you know, that really made that push or did everything just sort of align? As you mentioned, the the creative part of it really did help push it because I wasn't getting that at Planned Parenthood. Um, the, the aesthetically pleasing aspect of my personal organization services, that really was exciting to me. Um, being able to go into someone's home, you know, I do plenty of dirty jobs as I call them when we're organizing a storage unit or a garage, but even those areas can be aesthetically pleasing. Um, that made it more appealing. Um, but there wasn't one moment that I was like, this is it. I need to leave Planned Parenthood and, (laughs) and start this business. Um, it was that pretty organic that once we wanted to move, I knew that I didn't, I, I didn't love my work at Planned Parenthood any longer to continue doing that in Austin. And ironically, literally on the same block as us was a Planned Parenthood for our new apartment. Oh, really? Um, yes. Yes. On East 7th Street in Austin, there's a Planned Parenthood and we can see it. We could see it from our rooftop of our building. <laughs> so, but I, even that, even seeing how easy it would be, I still did not want to do that work anymore. And I'm still super supportive of Planned Parenthood just socially and financially, I'll always be a supporter, but I had just reached, reached my limit providing that service. But yeah. And once I realized that, okay, we can move for the better climate. I'm feeling fulfilled for Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood, even though there's one right down the street and I was craving that creative outlet. That's when I knew this is, this is all I wanted to do. I did not want to get a job here in Austin while building my business because I knew with my personality type, I would create those barriers as we were talking about earlier, where I'd get home from work and maybe I'd go to the gym and then I would say I'm too tired to hop on Instagram and do some networking or to edit some pictures of our own space that I took to post, things like that. I knew I would, I knew I had to go all in. So that just motivated me in our last days in New Hampshire. We you know, we knew we were moving for the better part of a year, or at least that was my goal. I was just being super practical as I already am and just saving and budgeting. And before any purchase, I was asking myself, would I want, would I rather have that or contribute this to my rainy day fund so I can start a business confidently? And the answer was always, it was always pretty clear. So that's another barrier. You know, if you say you want to start a business or invest in that machinery or that, you know, whether it's sewing machine to start your business, to start your trade or your, your craft. If you are continuing to spend your money on X, Y, and Z, instead of saving towards that, you're only going to get in your own way too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many good pieces of advice for me. So yeah, I, can, I can be a long wind, a, a little <laughs> long winded about it, but <laughs> good. 
so as far as the emotional experience, right? So we've, uh, we've kind of made, like you said, you went all in and you took this leap of faith and, and really you invested your time, your money, your mental and physical energy. Mm-hmm. What was the emotional experience like for you? Was it, did, was there any trepidation? Was there any fear? Like how did you approach that emotionally? It, there's absolutely all of those things, the turbidation, the fear, especially because I never wanted, regardless of what my husband said, it was just my nature that no matter how much he reassured me, I was just feeling so insecure when we first got here. The fact that I wasn't contributing financially right off the bat just made me feel so insecure. I have so much respect for any stay-at-home mom as I am right now. And I wasn't a mom yet at the time or a stay-at-home partner. Uh, I knew I would. I knew on paper I was contributing. I unpacked our apartment, got it all furnished. It was looking great within two weeks of us being here, um, and I was simultaneously taking those before and after pictures, going to the networking events. But emotionally, there was no convincing me that what I was doing was contributing <laughs> to our home until I brought home money. And that's so sad. You know, I would say to any friend, I would discourage them from feeling that way. I would encourage them in all the ways that they are contributing to their household to not feel that way. Um, I look back at that Renee two years ago and I feel so bad for her that she felt that way. At the same time, it totally gave me more motivation, Um, but it was absolutely so scary and I was so insecure about it. But like I said, it just continued motivating me to get it done because I did not want to be crawling with my tail between my legs, coming home and deciding to apply to jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and there would have been nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with supplementing your income in one way while starting a business. But as I mentioned before, I'm the kind of personality that I would have, that would have been a barrier for me. Yeah, yeah, it was hard. It was hard. So I was very relieved when I booked my first client. <laughs> And how soon after you initiated the business did you actually start, start, like, did you get your first client? So I spread myself a little too thin at first with the services that I was going to offer. So right when we moved there, in in a way it was good um, because it did give me a a boost of confidence in some income. I offered meal planning services, meal prep. So for vegan meals, I was making plant-based meals And I actually found people in our building right away that were interested. So I just shared on our, on our little message board for our apartment building that I was going to be offering those services and people were interested, right? As I, as I mentioned, the Austin is a vegan paradise. Everyone is very open-minded about trying new foods. Vegan restaurants do very well here. But when it comes to actually cooking, I think it's a generational issue too. People really don't know what to do. (laughs) I really quickly found clients for that. It wasn't the most profitable thing, but I definitely, you know, was definitely paying for our groceries every week and was great for my Instagram feed. It was great for my self-esteem and just networking purposes in general because I was making the meals just as aesthetically pleasing as organized visually. Um, It was a good representation of my work. So that happened right off the bat. We moved here on Halloween and, you know, by Thanksgiving, I I already had people getting meals routinely. Um, And then Christmas, I also got a little creative and I did gift wrapping services Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> which is, I was hoping to find people that had no interest in maybe getting their Christmas or- ornaments out and decorating or maybe doing their Christmas shopping. I was ready to hustle. I was ready to find 
any way you could twist professional organizing services, I was ready to do it. So gift wrapping was right off the bat the best way for me to do it. That leaned a little too far away from my brand. I tried to be low waste. I tried to not just have my clients buying a million organization products before actually organizing because that's a big hang up for, for people. People go out and buy bins before they actually edit their belongings. So that was buying gift wrap and the bows and the ribbons and everything as good as I am at it. I try to lean more low waste. So that's something that I did not do last holiday season and I won't do this season because I think it really is important. As, as important as it is to hustle and do what you can to make money, especially in the beginning, you do want to stay true to yourself. So that's something I didn't really do in that space. But again, it was a way to great images for my Instagram and a good way to network with people. So, but organizing, I didn't go in, I didn't get paid to organize a space until January. So that's pretty, it was a couple months, but that's actually pretty good for, you know, looking back in hindsight to start a business with very little money down. Basically, I didn't have to invest a lot of any money really into the business. It was a couple months before I got my first client and I don't, looking back, I don't think that that's too long to wait. So especially for what I was charging per hour and people immediately were purchasing my larger packages of my hourly rate that um, it felt like I was really hitting the ground running at that point. Once I did get that one client, those three clients that I started with that I offered free organizing to, it just exponentially grew from there because people were posting on their own Instagrams, the before and afters of their of their pantries and stuff, which I'm so grateful for because I it takes a lot to be so vulnerable to share your mess. <laughs> Absolutely it does. Oh my God. I just I think it's going to be so helpful for people. Okay, to- okay good, good, good. <laughs> because I, you know what? I'm talking to so many people right now, right? So I'm I'm beginning to work with people in a coaching capacity, helpers that are trying to move into something that feels more authentic or fulfilling for them. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people are like just a cu- like a couple steps behind where you yeah. were when you started where they've got these notions of what they love and ideas about what their life might look like if they incorporated those things in a larger way. But all of the steps feel, don't feel sure. Right. I feel like everything you're saying is like, you just do the thing. And if you're not sure what the thing is, you make up the thing. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Make it up and be, in some ways you want to fake it until you, until you make it in some places. But ultimately, it's okay to be vulnerable and let people know you're just starting out. You yeah. don't. You can just let people know that I'm taking a gamble here. I'm confident in my skills and my service or my product, but I'm just starting. Do you mind giving me a review if I give you this at a discounted rate or, or something like that? That's what large, large companies do. I never realized until me, me making a friend here who's in marketing that they give away large, expensive products to people to try in exchange for a review on Amazon. There's nothing wrong with you doing that with your candle business or (laughs) whatever it is that you want to get into. Just try it. And already just in the first years of business, you know, I went from advertising that I would sell products for people on Facebook marketplace or Craigslist or wherever they wanted to deciding that that wasn't a good space for me because I was in in an apartment and I didn't have storage space for some of the items that people wanted me to sell, or I didn't want to be putting myself in that position where I was meeting someone in a parking lot to to sell it. 
So it's okay to experiment and just do it. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's okay to, if you do something and then you realize that it wasn't true to you or true to the brand that you want to create, that's okay. And when I stopped doing the meal planning services, I just posted on Instagram that I was no longer doing that. That was a good thing. That made me look great that I was no longer had time to be offering that service. So it's okay if you start offering something and then you no longer want to do that anymore. It's all right. You don't look like a flake. You just look (laughs) like you're, you're shifting your focus. So let's, let's talk about self care a little bit and balance because now we're talking to you. So you've moved to Austin you've begun your own business and you are a mom now to a six month old. Yeah. Right. So do you maintain balance? Like what does self care look like for you? If, you know, if anything, how do you do that? How do you approach that? So thankfully I have my best friends and my sister who constantly remind me to indulge in self care. And actually I shouldn't even say the word indulge to, to make space for self care. Cause it is not an right. indulgence. Um, I'm very bad at being an advocate for myself the last six months. So and even my husband is an amazing father, amazing husband. He works so hard. Couldn't ask. I have very little criticism for him. Um, but he even said the other day, you need to advocate for yourself to him. Because if I'm looking on the surface, like I'm happy to make dinner and clean and do all of the things then how is he going to know to say, do you want to go get your nails done? Or have you asked your girlfriends out for a drink? If it's because historically I was always good at doing that. And I have been awful at it the last six months. So mom guilt is a real thing. Parent guilt is a real thing, I'm sure too. But I have been a little bit better at nap time, letting myself hold her for a nap because that means she's going to have a longer nap and that gives me more time on my phone to talk to my friends, to catch up on emails, to shop for products for our new home. So I consider that self-care because I'm just constantly berating myself right now about our lack of art on the walls or all the things we need to to do to make our new house feel like home. So that's self-care for me right now. I did go out for a healthy, wonderful, fulfilling vegan dinner (laughs) last week with two friends who are not vegan, but they loved the food that last week was super energizing for me. So I need to start doing that more because I am an extrovert. So that gave me a lot of energy. Yeah, I'm not the best at giving advice on self-care right now, but those are some of the things I've been working on. So indulging myself and holding my baby for a nap, not putting her down in her crib because that is energizing for me. You spend her whole week window longing for her nap time so you can get some things done, but then you don't want to put her down when she's finally sleeping. Right. <laughs> and I know that resonates with a lot of parents. So doing that and hopefully getting more social time now that um, I have some friends that are comfortable being in a little a bubble for COVID with us, um, seeing right. them more. Oh my God, it is, it's so hard right now. It's so hard for it's, everybody. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And everyone, like you said, but definitely as an extroverted new mom, I just did not see this coming. I had all these plans for my my first year of motherhood for workout classes where you can bring your baby or little stroller walk groups that might be cringeworthy to other people, but I was so excited for that, <laughs> that aren't happening, but it's okay. It's okay. Things like 
Instagram and different Facebook groups I found, um, you know, with, with, with boundaries, because sometimes you just want to respond to everyone's posts with boundaries. They've been super helpful and just not feeling alone. And those also apply to starting businesses because there is a group for everything. I would joined a professional organizers think tank before I started. Um, and I am willing to bet any kind of business you'd want to start. You can find a similar group on Facebook or YouTube videos um, or Instagram pages with other people that have started similar businesses and people love to share how they, how they got started. So if you were talking to like a young helping professional who's in maybe an agency job and is thinking that it's meeting some needs, but not all, and is considering maybe like a creative pursuit, right? First, why, why do you think it might be important for them to prioritize actually making that change, doing that pivot? Why do you think that's important? Well, for, from my experience, I started realizing that I wasn't being as helpful as I used to be because I was so burned out. Oh, that's such a good point. I love that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Mm I was just finding myself considering ways to cut corners sometimes. Like, like when you, when I found myself kind of excited that we had a no show, if a patient (laughs) wasn't showing up because I could use the bathroom. (laughs) Um, That's when I was like, okay, it's not great that this patient is missing her birth control shot that she gets four times a year. You know, I shouldn't be happy that she's going to be a few days late for that now so that I can use the bathroom. So recognizing those, you know, if you're celebrating those little moments or part of you is relieved, you're human, first of all, it's okay in plenty of aspects. But when, you know, noticing those, those patterns, you're, maybe it's time to move on because you're, and I hear the same thing about teachers a lot. I have a sister who's a teacher and she's just looking at these teachers and their attitude about their students and it's just terrifying and it makes me so scared for when my daughter goes to school because I remember my, you know, you go home and tell your parents about your teacher, so-and-so doesn't like me. And they're of course not. They're a teacher because I love kids, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm kind of like, oh, they might not like you. (laughs) Uh, They might not like your kid. Uh, Those professions, it is so important to notice when you're getting burnt out because you're not being as helpful as as you once were. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. The bathroom cue. When you're excited, you can go to the bathroom. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's where my bar was. I quit drinking coffee a few years ago, like probably halfway through my tenure at Planned Parenthood, because I found myself having co- like abusing caffeine because I knew I wasn't necessarily going to be able to get lunch when I would want to. So I started drinking more caffeine because I knew it would curb my appetite. Like how awful is that? <laughs> drinking more coffee in the mornings, I knew it wouldn't, it would you know, keep my hunger at bay until I could eat closer to three instead of at one. Right. So okay. Noticing stuff like that, just super unhealthy. Absolutely. That's There's that's always crazy. someone else in line. There's always someone else that wants to work at Planned Parenthood or wants to work at whatever, you know, because we're kind of focusing on that, the nonprofit sphere is what I think of. There's always someone else that's so excited to work there. That might be a recent grad or someone further along in their career where they don't need the income isn't their biggest priority and they they're willing to make less money to work in that space. 
I got hung up on that a lot. And my husband would remind me they were fine before you and they will be fine after you. For some reason, I started to get the savior complex. Like I was the only one who could do it. Yeah. Probably because there was so much turnover in my time at Planned Parenthood for, for good reasons, some bad, but for good reasons, like people were going on to nursing school or, or people like me that were just fulfilled and moving on. Um, because there was so much turnover, there were a lot of things that I was the only one to know, but or that knew how to do X, Y, and Z. And because I gave enough notice, I just delegated those things. And I did find amazing, excellent replacements for me for right. all the, the tasks that I did. So don't get, get over yourself. <laughs> There's so, someone else can do it too. <laughs> But that's such, again, I think that is such a common reason that people Mm -hmm. feel like they can't leave. It's because I'm going to do this. I know how to do all these things. No one else knows how to do them. And I can't leave until this person leaves or this client leaves or Mm -hmm. then, you know. And And other people are telling you that too, especially nonprofits. Other people are telling you selfishly, or they don't realize it, but how selfish it is that they're putting all this pressure on you. Right. To not leave. There, I, you asked me earlier about a catalyst, and uh, I will say there was someone we both know. I had she and I had always gone back and forth about never leave until you find a replacement, and she would say that to me. And then when she left, I told her I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't realize." You know, we were always kind of joking about that, but I do feel almost a permission to leave now. Wow. Yeah. So that was a catalyst that I kind of forgot about a little bit that her leaving gave me a little wiggle room. You've given like 80 pieces of good advice today. (laughs) (laughs) But if you had like a singular top piece of advice that you would offer to helpers that are interested in maybe pursuing some creative venture or, you know, going out on their own in some way, but are just feeling really overwhelmed by the process, um, what do you think that top piece of advice would be? Don't get in your own way. You are usually the biggest barrier is yourself and your insecurities. So whether that's talking to a therapist or a coach um, or friends, just have cheerleaders that are reminding you how good you are. I get imposter syndrome all the time, even as a mom, as I'm looking at my healthy, happy baby, who, you know, my house is clean enough, you know, things like that. I, I still tell myself, I find myself questioning myself as a mother and I know all parents experience that. Um, and people in all roles all over the world tell themselves that sometimes. And if you have your support system around you telling yourself otherwise, it's, it's a, good, a good place to start. They'll be your safety net when you're being so hard on yourself. Some people, you know, I think we can all think of those people that are constantly saying they're going to do things and then never do it. So the people that are constantly starting new diets or, and then, you know, spending a ton of money on these smoothies or these supplements, whatever, and then they never follow through. We can all think of those people. And I had a few of them in my life at the time. And I was just so afraid that I was that person. Mm. I think a lot of people are afraid of being that person. You don't have, first of all, you're probably not that person if you're afraid of it. That's advice that you gave me once. (laughs) If you're you're conscious of it, especially, I remember we were talking about parenting once and you said, if you're afraid, if you're worried that you're going to do X, Y, or Z as a parent, it means you're, that's great because you're always going to be working on that even if you are. So if you're self-conscious about something, 
you're probably not going to be that person or take the steps to make sure that you're not going to be that person through therapy or through having your friends hold you accountable. So tell enough people that you'll have cheerleaders, but don't necessarily broadcast it to everybody until you have made certain steps where you feel more confident about it, or you're not going to be so insecure if a piece of it doesn't work out and write things down, write on, on, write it down steps that you want to take that once I have, you know, for me, the example was once I have 10 photos lined up, then I'll feel confident making an Instagram. Once I have a website created, then I'll feel confident sharing it on Facebook. You know, though, or once I have five reviews, then I'll feel confident making an account on Thumbtack, which is an app where people can find different contractors like organizers or painters or handymen in general. So have a little thresholds for yourself, little goals to meet, and then you'll know exactly when you feel comfortable doing certain things. Awesome. So much good advice. So, okay. Renee, so if people are interested in learning about you and what you're doing or interested in Thrive Life organizing, where is the best place for people to find you? So that is my email is hello at Thrive Life Organizing. And then also on Instagram, you can find me at Thrive Life Organizing. No no underscores or anything like that. Um, And the pictures are very beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. There are, I meant to say there are underscores. There's thrive underscore life underscore organizing. So yes, my pictures are very aesthetically pleasing. I have been a little neglectful of my Instagram since getting pregnant last year. I was so nauseous that I could not look at my phone. I would get motion sickness from my cell phone. (laughs) So I would go and at that point, you know, that's another thing. You can loosen up on certain aspects of your business that if they were big and important to you at first, it's okay if they're not as much later. You know, once by the time I was pregnant and I was not posting on social media as much, that was okay because I already had so much word of mouth business. Right. So give yourself a little wiggle room. I found myself so stressed about my social media and posting and so worried. Like, should I have my friends edit my pictures for me? Um, And I was like, you know what? You don't need it. It's it's giving that your, it was giving me validation that I was sharing with my friends and family, the beautiful projects that I was doing, but ultimately to, to have an income and to have clients lined up, I was no longer relying on my Instagram. So that's one little extra piece of advice, but that's where to find me is Instagram to find the best pictures and feel free to send me an email. Right. That's awesome. Thank you, Renee, so much for, for giving people like a university course's worth of advice <laughs> how, to, how to do this thing that we're, that we're trying to it? Maybe it's just because I don't get to talk to anybody other than my husband and two friends lately. I just was so happy to talk to you and still my guts. <laughs> yeah, it was so, so great to talk to you Good. too. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. For more from Renee, you can check out at thrive underscore life underscore organizing on Instagram. For more from me, you can check out danabelletier.com. Thank you, Liam, for producing and editing the show. And thanks to Rocco Misco for the music. See you next week. Are you scared?
scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!